Hello and welcome. It's a Friday edition of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. And to all those listening on the podcast, hello and welcome. Well, Donovan, I think I'm going to stop trying to predict overs and unders for primetime games because... I thought you were going to say you're going to stop trying to predict where Shohei Otani is in the world, who he's going to sign for. Oh, he's signing in Toronto. He's signing in Toronto. It's happening. It's happening. Breaking news? No, no, no. I can leave now? No, no, no. Where's Blake Murphy? Can someone wake Blake Murphy up? I've seen Blake. I'm pretty sure he slept here the last four or five days. Just in the bullpen. Just... I asked him how the arm was doing. He said it's ready to go in case breaking news happens as uh, as we all monitor our phones. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop predicting the totals for any primetime game because last night, the way that that started, New England drives down the field. Bailey Zappi looks like the second coming of Joe Montana, not Joe Montana. Second coming of Tom Brady. I said Joe Montana and um, scores the touchdown. I'm just going, really? Is this really happening right now? And if you are a fan of the Houston Texans, which there's probably like five in Canada, the Buffalo Bills, the Denver Broncos, and the Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns, that was the best possible outcome that you could have asked for last night. 21-18 is the final. It was a mess. Um, Kind of in a good way. By the way, both quarterbacks did throw interceptions. Shocking to absolutely no one. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? Is it maybe that Pittsburgh isn't very good? My biggest takeaway from that game is a couple. One, Bill Belichick has no respect for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. He has less respect for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense than he has for his own offense, which is saying something. On third down, the New England Patriots played man coverage. Just one guy makes a mistake. First down could be a touchdown. On third down, money down. 78% of the time, a good average if you are a Donovan Bennett as a student. They, Oliver said, listen, we don't think these receivers can beat us. If they do, we don't think Mitch Trubisky can beat us, even if he could. We don't think this offensive line is going to hold up and protect for long enough. And even if it does, we don't think that you're going to be able to do that multiple times and score. And you know what? He was right. He was right. And that brings me to my next takeaway. Isn't Mitch Trubisky supposed to be the adult in the room? Isn't the point of a backup quarterback, a veteran backup quarterback, Mm -hmm. to be that when your starter is down and injured, and it's a short-term, not a long-term, because there's a reason why you're a backup, short-term injury, you can just get us by. You are floaties. You're a flotation device. We're not asking you to sim, swim. Just make sure we don't drown. Just let us doggy paddle from one side of the pool to the other because all we want to do is go down the slide. We're, we're not running a race. And Mitch Trubisky couldn't do that, but it's the way he couldn't do that. Every time the poor Amazon director said, ready to, ready to, cut to, to Mitch Trubisky, he looked like he was about to cry. Mm-hmm. He looked so scared. 
you're the veteran. You're supposed to be getting people lined up, telling them what they should do. We're burning timeouts because we're not at the line of scrimmage and organized. I was just like, what's the point of you? Like, <laughs> you are, as a football player, I'm sure he's a great guy. You, you, I guess you, we're not getting Mitch Trubisky on the show. Ever. I mean, it's okay. It's fine. No, no, but you were, you were <laughs> listen, you were a first-round pick. We've talked about this on this show extensively. The hit rate, first-round QBs is around 50%. Go look at the 2021 draft. There's Trevor Lawrence, and even he yet hasn't reached the lofty potential that we thought he might reach. So, so I get it. But now you're a backup. You are a highly paid backup. And we can't get any sort of coherent offense going with you. The, the best the offense looked is when you just ran out of ideas and tucked it and run. And by the way, if you're going to be the heady, backup got to be heady. My God, you're an athletic QB. Why are you sliding four yards in front of the first oh, down marker on third down? I know. So uh, I, I didn't prepare that rant. I'm not really sure why I'm so invested in the state of backup quarterback play or the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, but it was a complexing watch uh, when I watched Mitch Trubisky at the helm. Who would you rather have as your backup quarterback, Mac Jones or Mitch Trubisky? Well, I mean, one, we have to all come to a consensus that Mac Jones is, in fact, a backup. Uh, but once we get there... I don't know. Tough, talk, eh? Talk about rocking a hard place. I came a in hard here hitting questions so here excited on the about Shohei Otani signing in Toronto. And now I have like anxiety in my chest <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't, I don't like, I don't have a dog in the race. I don't like either football team. I, oh my goodness. After everything I just said. I still think it's, Ma I, I think, think it's, it's Mac Jones. No, I think it's Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky had. If we're, if we're at a combine. And we're working them out. We just had this conversation with Adam Rank. We right. don't read nope. into the combine it's, anymore, it's, remember? It's my first question of many. It, we're at a combine, and we're working them out. And we say Trubisky or Mac Jones, and we got to give a grade to the evaluator, the, the president of football ops. We are an area scout. Uh, the, the three of us were sent to, to evaluate these two quarterbacks, me, you, and Austin. Who, who are you? And we have to go defend it. Who are you writing? It just, again, this is only part one of this theoretical conversation. Mm -hmm. Mac Jones or Mitch Trubisky? And, and at a combine? At a combine. It's pro like, if we're talking in terms of measurables, it's probably Mitch Trubisky. He's certainly more Done. athletic. One nothing Mitch Trubisky. Now we are do in the interview process. We're doing the interview. We're talking to them. We're, we're putting some of their sideline histrionics on film and asking them to explain it. We're talking to their teammates about how good of a teammate is. Do you trust them? Who are we advocating for? Mac Jones or Mitch Trubisky? Is Mac Jones calling himself Mac or McCorkle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's calling himself uh, well, McCorkle. Well, I don't, I don't know. I kind of want the more fiery guy than the guy that's going to cry on the sidelines. Although Mac Jones looks like he's going to cry on the sidelines too, but at least he has some fire. He's probably He seems like a bit of a jackass, but I mean... I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. I, I don't want the fiery guy when the fieryness is at other people and not looking inward in himself. Yeah. At least at some point, Mitch Trubisky. Now it was a while ago, but at some point he had some swag. Remember Maserati Mitch? Remember he had a hot month in Chicago. He's a, he's a Mazda Mitch now. 
Listen. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, even give him Mitsubishi. He's it, a Mazda. Canadian advertisers in the car category. We love all cars, including Mazdas. Whoever wants to give us money, we'll take it. Did I say that? Whoever time? wants to give us a car, we'll take it. Um, I, of course, I, I just bought one. Thanks, Don. We Where were through, you three weeks we'd ago? We go through the exercise watching the college tape, watching their highs in the pros, watching their combine, interviewing them. I think all of those boxes check Mitch Trubisky and not Mac Jones. I would still take Mac Jones. Because okay. here's why. And you, and you would lose. Here's why. I have not seen Mac Jones with legitimate weapons in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky was throwing to Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Pat Fryermuth yesterday and did dinkus. Great point. I have not seen Mac Jones Actually, showcase I've, that I've if seen him given the opportunity, player. he would be able to take advantage of legit weapons. Well, he did at Alabama. He had legit I'm not and it doesn't translate because you know, Alabama was so much better than John so David Booty was great at USC. Like uh, what a great name. Was a great player at USC. He was. Like uh, Greg McElroy had the same career as Mac Jones. He's on a desk advocating for Alabama to get into the college football playoff. He's not playing uh, on Thursday in front of Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels. <laughs> that was a lot of talk about Mitch Trubisky and it Mac was. Jones. Whereas on the other end um, of the quarterback carousel, Bailey Zappi yesterday was 19 of 28 for 240 yards, three touchdown passes. An interception as well, which, let's face it, was not his fault. Um, Ezekiel Elliott ducks. And then uh, who was it that missed it? Was it was it Juju? I think it was Juju. Well, they only draft, draft or they only dressed three receivers. So. Yeah, so it had to have been one of them. Um, also, Juju with the revenge game. Four catches, 90 yards yesterday. Ezekiel Elliott was the story, though. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. You're, it's is your it, show as much as it is mine. Sure, yeah, that's that's not true. <laughs> is it a revenge game if you have, since you've played for that team, played for another team? Has he gone back to Pittsburgh? Won a championship. Has, he played, has he played Pittsburgh since? But it's not as if Pittsburgh kicked him out of the doors like, you were the problem, Juju. Like, you were hurt, and you went and got, you know, you went and took less money elsewhere to try to recoup your value in the market, which didn't really work. So what do we want to call it then? The Juju Smith-Schuster return tour. How about that? And by the way, when he was running off the field, it looked like his knee exploded in the tunnel. Remember that report? That his knee could explode at any time? That's right. It did look like that at one point. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had 29 touches last night. 29. 22 carries for a paltry 68 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. But he had seven catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. He did look a little bit more spry than I expected. Um, but I, I mean, I know some people are going to run to the, the waiver wire for Ezekiel Elliott. If they hadn't already in fantasy football and be like, ah, Ezekiel Elliott, do we, do you think Ezekiel Elliott's getting 29 carries next week or 29 touches next week? No, no, he's not. I assume Ramondre Stevens is back in the next couple weeks as well. I'm surprised he got that many carries given that it was a short week game. He was the, the only other person that had a carry was Bailey Zappi, and he had three for 13 yards. How about Bailey Zappi? First Patriots QB with three passing TDs in a half since Tom Brady in 2018. He looked the, the touchdown throw, the second touchdown throw to Hunter Henry over the, def, over the safety. That's a big boy throw. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Bailey Zappi is going to 
be the starter in New England next year? Because I know he's not. They're drafting a quarterback. That is that feels as much of a lock in football as there is right now. Then New England's taking a quarterback. The question is, is Bailey Zappi is probably going to be the backup. And I have this, I wonder about this with a lot of backup quarterbacks. They show a little bit and then they sit on the bench. They show a little bit and then they sit on the bench because Bailey Zappi showed a little bit last year as well as a rookie when he took over for Mac Jones. But do you get more of a shine when you just show a little bit and then don't play for a bit? Because it's like, oh, remember that guy? We've seen that across football. Like there, there was that conversation about uh, Mitch Trubisky. He goes and, you know, his image gets changed because he goes to Buffalo and he's a good teammate and he's whatever. And then Pittsburgh signs him. That is a story as old as time in football. The guy who just kind of sits back, waits for an opportunity, gets it. And then that's it. Josh Dobbs is kind of that story. Tennessee last year. And then he goes to Arizona, starts games. He's now in Minnesota. Can Is Bailey Zappi that guy? Or even a better question, is Mac Jones, can Mac Jones be that guy? Because both of these guys are not starting next year. I think that is the ceiling for both players now. Granted, they came into the league totally differently. That At this point, we have different expectations for them. But both of them should, when they came off the field yesterday at the Amazon game, Go find Ryan Fitzpatrick and say, tell me your ways. Because I think he is the great example of be smart, be a good teammate. To your point, in a small sample size, come in and essentially don't let things fall apart. You can play in this league for a long time. However, there were some franchises that tried to convince themselves that just because Ryan Fitzpatrick had a good month, that he could be a starter. And we might have the exact same Conversation, not in Indianapolis, but broadly with Gardner Minshew, if he continues to play this well. And to those people, I say, your friends with benefits is friends for a reason. There's a reason why you're not dating because you don't actually like them that much. And (laughs) I don't. I never thought of it that way, actually. That's pretty good. I I, I don't. I don't want to make a commitment to you. Correct. You don't, you don't just but take the necessary precautions so you don't have to make a commitment. Uh, the holiday season is coming up. You don't bring just anyone home to mom no, and dad. No, don't do that. Especially if you're Italian, don't do that. Don't and and this is talking about waivers and, and deadlines. Uh, a deadline's coming up. Like, this is the deadline. We are at December 8. You get too close to Christmas, you're buying a gift. So... Yeah. In the in relationship world... Tread lightly. I, I know that I'm from a, a different generation where you didn't just swipe on an app to Same. find love. Um, I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I don't think I would fare very well uh, if I had to date right now. Uh, but the, you get too close to St. Nick's day and you're in a tough spot. Yeah, you are in definitely a tough spot. Uh, you know who was in a tough spot last night? And... It's because the spotlight is so much brighter. Now. What, you don't want to talk about more dating do's and don'ts? No, my, no. No, I don't. Because uh, I've made, I've done a lot of don'ts. <laughs> let's see, let's hear them. No, uh, you, no, you my, don't want to hear that. My, Tomlin, my wife would laugh at them, actually. Mike Tomlin is in a tough spot. He is in a tough spot. Um, but part in part of it is, I mean, well, the decision to go for it on fourth and two when you needed a field goal anyway, and I know you and I talked about it off the air, 
they didn't have faith that they could get that close to the end zone again, although they did. Um, but here's the other thing. They kind of got screwed last night. That yeah. false start on the, on the long snapper, which was not a false start. And we've seen this in other games. It happened to the green Bay Packers earlier this year and centered John Runyon. It's something that these guys have been doing since the beginning of time. It's not a penalty. They even said it on the broadcast last night that it's not a penalty. And yet it was called. And you know who has to answer for it? Absolutely no one. To this, you say what? Well, how do we fix this problem, Donovan? Is it have a, something along the line of scrimmage, have something in the ball? Have, like, what is the answer to this problem when it comes to officials and missing what this, that call? That false start call, which should have been offside or encroachment, should have been going the other way, may end up costing the Pittsburgh Steelers a playoff spot. How do we fix this? Well, there's one way. Maybe have full-time officials. Hmm, that would be a thought. Do you know what the world's most profitable sports league is? I would think it is the NFL. It is. Do you know the only sports league in North America to not have full-time officials is? I think it's the NFL. It is. That does not make any sense. No. Yes, you could say they work, you know, 18 days a year plus playoffs, but how about they don't? How about they work year-round on their craft because it it changes, uh, one, lines uh, in terms yeah. of who gets paid and paid out and, and we're going to bring in all of this money due to gambling. We should make sure that the games actually play out and are not changed because of egregious calls like the non-call PI in the Green Bay KC game or the hit on Patrick Mahomes when he was still in bounds that was roughing the passer or this uh, call, which again should have been changed. How about we use all of the resources to make sure we get these things right? Because it's one thing if it just impacted wins and losses, which is big, but you're going to have missed calls that's, you know, baked into the sport, whatnot. But when you get these egregious calls and it's so public, you lose public trust. And it doesn't just impact wins and losses. It impacts lines. It impacts did this team cover or not cover because a, a call was made poorly or not. And the last piece is it impacts jobs. Because if the Pittsburgh Steelers have one or two more wins at the end of the year and make the postseason, what they do in terms of their front office, what they do in terms of of either marketing and ticket sales, all of that is baked into their performance. And so if everyone else in this sport is going to be held to a high standard around performance and accountability, the officials should be the same way. And I'm at the point where if we're going to get so many things obviously wrong and we're all going to watch them in 4K and understand that was wrong and just have to eat it, I'm at the point where like, well, let's review everything. I'll sit through a five-hour football game if I have to because I would like to know at the end that the team who won deserved to win. Yeah, I there's been so many. And that one was as egregious as it gets. I mean, we've we've seen worse. I mean, the pass interference in the Rams-Saints game is but the worst of all time. Every week. Every week. It's, yeah, it's not a one-off. It's not, And that's the problem. It's not a one-off. And this is coming from someone who regularly gambles on NFL games. I did not have a horse in that race last night because, well, that would have been silly. But I'm watching this, and and the first thing I thought of was somebody lost their shirt on this one, on a bad call. And that kind of stuff 
cannot happen at this level. And and I agree with you. They need to start employing full-time officials. Like the great Ed Hockley should not have to be a lawyer in his spare time to, to help make ends meet. Good job, but he should not have had to have been a lawyer during that. Um, great, great biceps on that guy too. Uh, okay, uh, we do have a little bit of news, Donovan. Um, did you think Trevor Lawrence? No, we don't have that. No, no. Um, I mean, that could have happened, but I haven't seen it yet. Could you have imagined after what you saw on Monday night, Trevor Lawrence getting folded up like a cheap suit, that he would be anywhere near playing this week against the Cleveland Browns? No. Well, he's a game time decision, according to Doug Peterson. Now, is is, is, that, is that a good idea? Well, that's just what I was going to ask you. Did we not just watch Joe Burrow hobble through a calf injury that he had actually been on the shelf for a little bit of time before the season started? We're talking about a six-day turnaround here for Trevor Lawrence after it, it's a high ankle sprain. We saw it. We literally looked at it in front of us. And now there's a chance that he's playing. You still have a game on the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts this uh, coming up here. Is this a good idea to have your franchise quarterback go out and potentially get even more hurt because he's playing injured instead of just saying, it's the Cleveland Browns. They don't score a ton of points. We might be able to get by here. And if we don't, then he's more rested to go up against the Baltimore Ravens the following week. This is in a week where you had on the NFL Network, Carr go on and say the Eagles should rest Jalen Hurts and play Marcus Mariota because Hurts is not healthy enough to compete. His... Further analysis made no sense because he said that Hertz is missing reads, and I'm not really sure how your knee makes you miss reads. But the point is, we're at a state where we are oversteering to try and protect quarterbacks on winning teams, and then the Jaguars are potentially going to put their franchise quarterback in harm's way. Some people have made the association too well. Patrick Mahomes had a bad high ankle sprain against the Jaguars, and he continued to play, and he led them on a run to the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, true. Totally different scenario, though. Totally different scenario. couple reasons. One, I don't believe Patrick Mahomes is human. Two, he was able to finish said game where Trevor Lawrence wasn't able to walk off on his own power. Three, it was a win-or-go-home scenario. So if they were to lose that week or the following week or the week after that, he would have the entire offseason to rest. And then four, there was only a few more games left. It was literally the end of the season. He had to do that for, at that point, like 17 more quarters. So we're not talking about playing another two months of football if the Jaguars ultimately are going to go where everyone expects them to. So that comparison to me holds no water. There is 0% chance that Trevor Lawrence should be taking snaps. I'm surprised, to be honest, he was a a part-time participant in practice four days after a 
badly injuring himself. Yeah, he should not be anywhere near a football field right now, based on what we saw. Uh, okay, let's get to some of these games here. Uh, Rams six and six at the Ravens nine and three. The Ravens favored by seven and a half in this one. The total is forty. The spread feels like too much here, doesn't it? Because it's I know that I know that the the Ra- the Ravens are a good football team, and I understand that they're at home, and we know Lamar Jackson's success against the NFC in his career. But the Rams have been much improved on offense of late. And if I had told you that at the beginning of this season that the Rams offense would be clicking and Cooper Cup would be invisible and Cam Akers wouldn't have been on the team, your response to me would have been what? I wouldn't believe it. It would be my response. I, it just doesn't really make any sense. But they, they've run the ball really well. It's gonna sound wild to say, but their number one receiver is Puka Nakua at this point. Sure is, it, it, and so certainly this thousand one, receiving yards as a fifth round rookie that doesn't happen very often at all. No, uh, has the Rams single season r- r- record in, uh, in terms of rookies uh, in receiving. So uh, th- this one I- I'm struggling with. For a couple reasons, and right now, and it could change, but right now, I have the Ravens as my survivor team this week, and not only do I not feel great about it, uh, I, I might change it, but they're one of the best teams in football, and the Rams, you know, are uh, struggling to make the playoffs. But I think the, part of the reason the line is where it is is because Lamar Jackson didn't practice yesterday. Now it was due to illness, and you know, seems like every year he, he misses some time due to illness, but we'll see how that changes as we get closer to Sunday. But the other thing for me in this game is the other quarterback in Stafford. And he's been really good, but not good when under pressure. When he's not pressured, 74 QBR, 67 completion percentage, uh, eight yards uh, per. When he is pressured, that drops to 14 QBR, 36% completion percentage, 4.7 yards per. You know who brings pressure and can get home with for the Baltimore Ravens defense. And so the matchup for me is something that concerns me. But the Rams have been trending in the right direction. The Ravens have been trending in the opposite direction. So I, I'm really struggling to read this one. Kyron Williams has been one of the most productive running backs outside of Christian McCaffrey this year. That's how good that Kyron Williams has been. He's a, a late-round pick out of Notre Dame. Uh, shout out, Fighting Irish. And he's been he's been really good, and he's been kind of the, the perfect fit. He reminds me of that. Remember when Todd Gurley came back from injury? I, I want to say it was his rookie year or it was year two. Came back from injury and he was unbelievable. That's kind of what it feels like we're seeing here from Kyron Williams this late surge. Speaking of, of running backs, I'm really curious to see what happens with Keaton Mitchell in this offense because he got more of a snap share the last time we saw the Baltimore Ravens, he's di- he's a lot different than Gus Edwards and Justice Hill in that, as we like to call it, he's got a bit of a wiggle. And those other guys do not have that. The Rams defense has been pretty good against the run. I'm very curious to see not only what his usage is, but how he performs here. Because in the short window that we've seen him in the NFL, he's looked explosive. Like, 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 Devon Achan, explosive. 
not with the touchdowns, but breaking off those big runs, being able to to give you that kind of home run hitting ability, something that, you know, we've seen with J.K. Dobbins in the past. I'm really curious to see how they use him and how this Rams defense can hold up against the Baltimore offense, which at points has looked like one of the best, but at other points you look and go, well, is there something missing here? And that something is Mark Andrews. It is, and it's really impacted Lamar Jackson and his ability to throw the football. First eight games, 73% completion, ranked first in the NFL. Last three, 58% completion, ranked 28th in the league. Not a good time to face a Rams defense, which has the sixth lowest completion percentage allowed at 62%, which is why I think, to your point, they're going to need some bigger plays in the run game because those big plays they were getting to start the year in the passing game have evaporated over the last few weeks. It's true. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about the key cog in the offense and as much as, as much as Zay Flowers has been a nice welcome addition, you can't replace, I know Isaiah likely had a, a decent game in, in replacing Mark Andrews, but he's not Mark Andrews right now. And for a, for this offense, Mark Andrews is just such a key component. So we'll see how they uh, how this one plays out. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, um, didn't have this one circled on my calendar uh, at this point uh, or early in the year when we look at this point in the season. Um, the Colts at the Bengals. Shockingly, a very, very interesting playoff matchup. Plus, uh, Seahawks, Niners, Bills, Chiefs, and of course, Eagles and Cowboys. All that when we come back on the Fan Checkdown. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. We will be back in a few. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the fan check down the Sportsnet Radio Network. It is Matt Marchese and Detective Donovan Bennett trying to figure out the internet sleuths as we remain on Otani Watch. <laughs> the internet's undefeated, man. It's the best. It's the best and worst of society. It really is. And I mean, Twitter is the epitome of that. Uh, but like, we've got, you know, Blue Jays Twitter, we got Raptors Twitter. Otani Twitter right now is just next level. Yes. Did I ever tell you about, and I won't keep this long, but when we were on Kawhi Leonard watch and there was this thing about, he was at a convenience store in um, California and everybody was making a big, oh, it didn't happen. So I actually called the convenience store to confirm that Kawhi Leonard was in there and the lady confirmed and the hate that I got on Twitter for basically stating what was factual people are like this is why he doesn't want to be here you don't you don't you know he he wants his privacy it's like really i don't think Kawhi leonard is following me on twitter i don't think he's worried about that and if he's in california he probably made up his mind that he was not coming back to the raptors anyway i just love your investigative journalism chops yeah i don't really have very many that was the that was the one-off um i'm certainly not horatio kane from csi miami very far from it. Shout out David Caruso. Um, I wish I had sunglasses to put on for that. Okay. Uh, Seahawks at Niners. Seahawks six and six. The Niners nine and three. The Seattle's coming off a tough loss to your Cowboys. The Niners obviously coming off that monster win uh, over the Eagles. 
this is not quite the season that I think you and I thought was going to happen for the Seattle Seahawks, especially considering that it's largely over the course of the year, it's been the defense that has stepped up and not really the offense. But when we look at how teams around them are playing, one of them within their division in the Rams and the other in the Packers in the NFC North, um, this might end up being the season for the Seattle Seahawks here. Agree or disagree? I think so. I mean, they've haven't necessarily been trending in the right direction, but now uh, they've got a shot to you know, face that bully of the division, who just and, beat them thirty-one thirteen a couple weeks ago. By the way, yeah, and it's listen, it's tough to beat a team twice in any given year, especially given such close proximity. But it just feels like the wrong time to get the Niners and some of the same things the Cowboys exposed in terms of the Seahawks defensively, the Niners can do that plus, 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 which they have. So, yeah, I think it's tough to say anything too definitively because there are clear lines between the top of the NFC and the bottom of the NFC. And so I, I don't know necessarily if they lose, if they're totally out. But, yeah, I, I think we know that there's going to be two NFC East teams in the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, the Eagles and Cowboys, and then there's a free-for-all for that other spot. Your beloved NFC South they suck. is They're doing so- <laughs> everything they can. They to, fumble it away to, like crazy. They're fumbling the bag to just be relegated out of the NFL. Uh, and, and I think the Seahawks is in, you know, the jambalaya with everybody else. But a, a win oh, that's good stuff. You know, at San Fran would 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 go a long way. You're making me real hungry today. No. Uh, jambalaya, it's you make that stuff. It's if you can do it well, it's good stuff. Okay, uh a uh, quick question before we get to the Colts and the Bengals. What's the bigger uphill battle here for Seattle? Keeping up with the San Francisco offense or trying to shut down the San Francisco offense? I think keeping up with the offense, to be honest. I, I mean, I they're they're kind of the the same thing, but well, I mean, do you have confidence in the defense to stop their offense or do you have confidence in the Seattle offense to try and keep up? I guess that's the question. I have no confidence in the defense to stop their offense. And thus I feel like their offense is going to have to play differently, knowing that coming into the game, getting off the bus. And I think a big question is what's the availability and health of Kenneth Walker, right? Another and Zach Charbonnet who might, not be playing. Either. That's right. Another big play player on that offense. It, it, what we saw from them a week ago was a bit odd because, you know, DK Metcalf, after being invisible against the 49ers, was massive against the Cowboys. But then we didn't really see much out of Lockett, who has been uh, the steady person. I think you got to get all three of those talented wide receivers going, especially if you're not. Uh, having you know the same amount of success in the run game uh, as you've had with a Walker uh, Colts seven and five at Bengals six and six Bengals the home favorite at minus one and a half the total is 44 I, it's certainly not one that I had circled on my calendar at the beginning of the year because you and I both thought the Colts are going to be cellar dwellers here and here they are led by Gardner Minshew this is this is the Apple Cup Bowl, Donovan. <laughs> uh, the last time that these two quarterbacks faced off against each other was 2018, where Jake Browning led the Washington Huskies uh, over the 
Gardner Minshew led Washington State Cougars 28 to 15. Um, both of these guys, Jake Browning certainly had a rougher go of it his first time around, but that game against the Jags on Monday was incredibly impressive. And the one thing that we can say about Gardner Minshew is, is that I don't feel like they're out of any game with him as the quarterback right now, which is not something that we have said very often about Gardner Minshew, but he's been really good. And, you know, it's not always a Picasso with him. Sometimes it looks like a a finger painting, but he gets the job done. And they're seven and five in large part because they've been able to run the ball. Well, Uh, Jonathan Taylor's not playing. Zach Moss has been really good. Um, And, and Gardner Minshew has had a wonderful connection with Michael Pittman jr. And that offense is still clicking despite not having Anthony Richardson. And we both thought when he went down, that was probably it. That's not the case. It's not. And I've probably gotten picks on the Colts wrong more than any other team this year. Cause every week I'm like, all right, well, this is the week. It's been nice. It's been cute, yeah. but it, you know, it's going to fall apart this week and they take a lick in and, and keep on ticking. And It'll be interesting because you mentioned Browning in this rough start, but really settled in last week. First quarter, 0.9 average air yards, no attempts past 10 yards, 5.6 yards per attempt. The rest of the game, 5.1 average air yards, 7 for 7 on 10-plus air yard attempts. It was the only QB to do that this season, which gave him a 10.7 yards per attempt on the game. He found success, one, just like where's Jamar Chase single cover, double covered, man zone, doesn't matter, get it to him. But in general, pushing the ball down the field, it was nice for Boyd to finally show up this season. And so as he got more comfortable, the ceiling I had on the Bengals changed from a team that's going to fall out of the playoff race to the one who could maybe hold serve and stay in it. And and another one of those teams that was very happy with the result yesterday, not only because of the, the win, but also that's a, a team in your division. Yes, that lost the game, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Steelers play the Bengals uh, to finish off the year. So it, it's going to be really interesting uh, to see what happens in this one. If I had to pick a winner here, like I don't, I mean, the line is exactly where it should be, and not that I'm going to doubt the Vegas line, but it's. I didn't think that you know before the Jags game, I didn't think that this was going to be a game. It's absolutely going to be a game, and it, again, it speaks to that that week-to-week conversation that we've had over the course of uh, of the last few weeks. Uh, Bills, 6-6 six and six at Chiefs, 8-4. and four. Chiefs favored by minus 1.5. The total is 48.5. Uh, you know, we said this about the Seahawks. If this is make or break for their season, this is absolutely make or break for the Buffalo Bills here. And the advantage they have is they're coming off the bye. Here's the question. Can they not beat themselves? In this one, because that's a that's essentially what it feels like it's come down to all year. I think it's make or break because you look at the remaining schedule, it doesn't get much easier. Nope. After they go to Kansas City, they host Dallas, go to the Chargers, and host uh, New England Patriots, and end at Miami. So you, it's not like there's a bunch of opportunity for mulligans, but you probably don't want to hear this. You probably don't want me to jinx it, but... I like the way they match up against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think what we saw from the Green Bay Packers against them is a great blueprint. The Chiefs can get off the field against that Packers offense. What offense in football has been better 
than the Buffalo Bills since making the change at coordinator. The question for me is, can they take care of the football? Mm -hmm. Because if they stay on the field, they're going to score. Josh Allen has an interception in eight straight games, longest streak uh, by any quarterback since Case Keenum in 2018. I think they're starting to run the ball a little bit more. Uh, Two of their top rushing games came in the last couple weeks. And on the flip side, the Chiefs have struggled to get to 20 points. When they've given up 20 or more points, they're 0-4 this year. Lost to the Lions, Broncos, Eagles, and obviously the Packers. They're 20th in explosive plays. That's a very low bar for this Bills team to clear. The only way that they don't do it, and Jets game is a great example from earlier in the year, they turn the ball over. And obviously you can't score when you turn it over. I, I like the Bills in this spot. I kind of do too, and here's another reason why. The two times that Josh Allen has played the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season at Arrowhead, Josh Allen has thrown for 315 yards and 329 yards, three passing touchdowns in each of those games, and here's the key, zero interceptions in either of those games. We You, you mentioned this, and I will give you credit for this. Um, you've said it. Josh Allen elevates his play to the quarterback that he is playing against. You don't think it's a notch on his belt to go to win another regular season game. I mean, it can't, he can't beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, but beat him in his stadium in the regular season, you know, in a game where when we look at the talent on both sides of the football, the bills have more talent on offense than the Kansas city chiefs do. The defense is a little bit different because of the injuries, but you know, Kansas City's banged up on defense, too. Well, that's what I was going to say. You're not going to have Cook, the safety, uh, in this game. The linebacking core uh, is banged up with two starters uh, down. So I certainly think there's an opportunity. And then what have the Bills done really well offensively? Take advantage of the middle of the field. Those uh, those deep crossers to Gabe Davis and to Stephon Diggs. So I, I do think there's some opportunity there. And I also think this could be an exorcism for the 13-second game. If you have not just a win, a big win that gets you back in the playoff conversation, I think people can stop talking about it, thinking about it. It seems as if the team has had a referendum on itself since that game, trying to prove they can get past that, and they never really have. Maybe beating the Chiefs in a game that you need to have will help do that. But you talked about going up against high-profile QBs, and we get it, what the jersey says and the nameplate says and all the jerseys in the stands. But I'm going to tell you two quarterbacks and compare them. First one, 6'7", six, six, win percentage, 2.2 passing TDs to INT ratio, 95.1 pass rating, 10.4 yards per completion, one game-winning drive this year. Second quarterback, 6.667 win percentage, passing TD to INT ratio, 2.3, pass rating 92.4 yards per completion, 10.6, one game-winning drive. Those two quarterbacks sound pretty similar, correct? Mm -hmm. The first one is Patrick Mahomes. The second one, Tommy DeVito. Wow. That is essentially what you're getting right now from Patrick Mahomes in this Kansas City offense. You're getting Tommy DeVito. So I say all that to say Josh Allen is playing an elite quarterback in name, but actually not in production because Mm -hmm. that Kansas City Chiefs offense has been a mess. Yeah, it really has been. Um as a Bills fan, I'm really hoping that they can pull this out because if they don't, I mean, that that could that could be the nail in the coffin. That's as a Bills fan, but as an Italian, yeah. did you see the video on social 
where Tommy DeVito is just rating different Italian food. No, I haven't. I think I need to watch this. You though. do. So they go, they go entrees, they go appetizers, they go different types of pasta, and they give him one, and he just he has to rate them from from one to five. Maybe we should do the exercise with you next week. Oh, I'm down for that. I can't, you're gonna make me hungry. Again. Okay, right. sorry, sorry. All right. I'll, 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 the NFL Network posted the video. I'll, I'll, I'll find it and send it. Yeah, we will. Uh, well, we can definitely do that next week. Um, Eagles ten and two at the Cowboys nine and three. The Sunday nighter, the marquee matchup of the week. A lot of good late games. Like, this is a really good schedule later in the day. Um, this is a big test, obviously, for both teams. The Cowboys, Donovan, have averaged 36.6 points per game during this 14-game home winning streak. Um, but here's the caveat. John Hussey is the head referee for this game. Okay. And the Eagles are 7-0 and when John Hussey is the head referee, he was also the head referee in the Monday night football game between these two teams last year. So you're saying we don't have to worry about Big Dom. We have to worry about Husky Hussey? Yeah, you, yeah, you definitely don't have to worry about... I can't imagine that Dom DeSandro's on the sideline. No, he's, he's in the booth? Is he in the tunnel? I don't know. He's also like part of the management group. He's like a special advisor to the... I don't know what his title is. Anyway, point being is this. This is a big test for the Eagles defense, but it's also a big test for the Cowboys defense because they have feasted on bad teams. And when we, you know, when we see the numbers and a lot of it is driven by the, the fantasy community because, Oh, uh, the, the Cowboys defense is putting up RB one type numbers. It's like, okay, but they're like Alexander Madison. When everybody talked about the great year that he had, um, and all the success he had when Dalvin Cook got hurt, and he was literally beating up on the worst teams in the NFL in terms of stopping the run. This kind of feels like the same thing with the Cowboys, is they haven't really stopped good offenses. And even last week against the Seahawks, I wouldn't call the Seahawks a great offense. It is a decent offense this year, and sometimes bad. This is going to be a massive test, not only because of the success that the Cowboys have had at home, and you do not want to see that winning streak stop. It also has massive meaning in the race here in terms of not only the, the division, but the entire NFC at this point. And that defense is about to get a real test, not only this week, but in the coming weeks. They got the Eagles, as you mentioned, who's tied for third in points per game. Then at Buffalo, fifth in points per game. At the Dolphins, second in points per game. Then they host the Lions, seventh in points per game. And then they get the Commanders, who are 20th in points per game, but have a QB who's going to lead the league in passing yards when all things are said and done. We'll find out about that defense. And did they just run up the defensive stats on some bad offensive football teams, the two teams in New York specifically, which they blew out early in the year? They're going to get a good test this week uh, in the coming weeks. So not only does this game potentially decide the NFC East, but I also think that this may decide the narrative on Dak Prescott's season. This is the game where, well, it's funny because, you know, we have first take on in this room and that is the, they, they asked if this is the biggest regular season game of Dak's career. I think that this defines Dak Prescott's season. If he goes out and balls out here, Dak Prescott's going to win the MVP. If he has a mediocre game and he has a couple of turnovers, 
then he's not. I, I really feel like this is a season-defining game for him. I think so. We have uh, on the TV in our studio uh, television with, let's just say, hot take sports studio shows uh, rotating throughout the day. All of them are going to be leading with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. It will be confirmation bias. You're not going to be able to get away from it. I can make a compelling argument for Tyreek Hill. I can make a compelling and fair argument for Brock Purdy. But all of the conversation, all the oxygen in the room is going to go to the Dallas Cowboys if they not only beat the Eagles, but then have a shot at not just first in the division, but at that point, first in the conference, especially given the fact that San Francisco's remaining schedule is not the easiest as well. So, yeah, I think Dak puts himself in that MVP combo if he plays well in a win. If he continues to play like he has at home, there should be no issues here for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, best bets for this weekend. Um, I'm going to go with the Rams covering seven and a half points Ooh, against the Ravens. I, I just, like it. The I Rams like have it. been able to score points. It just feels like... It just really feels like a game that's going to be a lot closer than this. the line in, intends it to be. Um, how about this one? I'm going Bill's money line Okay. over the Chiefs. Josh Allen has a performance for the ages. The last time that they played in Kansas City in a regular season game, the Bills beat them 38-20. to 20. I could see a scoreline very similar to that. The Bills are out for blood. We're going to be back on Monday. We'll talk to you then. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.